Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications connect to more it is now officially time for the business angle with justin angle from the university of montana business school justin happy new year thanks so much for being with us how you living my man indeed happy new year to you as well and uh, yeah i heard your little exchange with ryan there and as a branding professor i have to say like key is clarity confused customers don't buy so get your narrative straight i know we got to just get to tell out we got to cut <laughs> rip the band-aid off it's it's over we're starting anew we're starting fresh 2021 is going to be a great year but first of all justin riley corcoran cork riley Justin Angle, I know this is weird in the COVID times, doing the thing on the phone, introducing some people that are both affiliated with the great university, like the University of Montana. But you guys, here's your, here's your, uh, I guess, radio waves introduction. Yeah, it's like nice to meet you, Justin, from afar. And I know we've uh, we've crossed paths uh, multiple times, but it's great to be talking with you in this form too. Indeed, absolutely. Let's get into it because the college football playoff took place uh, over the New Year's eve into new year's weekend and uh, i have a whole bunch of thoughts on just the, the structure of college football in general right now because i think it's a pay-to-play sport i think that the more money you spend the better you're going to be but justin you had a broad question with uh, several different articles that you attached to it uh, just from the the readings that you've done um, but basically the question was now that we've almost completed the fbs portion of the college football season was it worth it? So lay this out for us, Justin. I mean, broadly, there, there was a lot of different things to be gained and lost from a college football season, and now here we are with a national championship game coming up. Maybe this next week or maybe the week after. We'll see what's happening with all the, the Ohio State COVID testing, but that's here and over there. Break this down for us, though. In your mind, was college football worth it this season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big and difficult question to ask, and I think what we're going to see and what we have seen a little bit is – 
people are going to try to quantify the costs. And they, when we say the cost, we say like the cost in terms of health outcomes, how, how many players got infected, how many coaches and staff or, or, you know, we're, we're having some in-person varying degrees across different universities. How did that um, lead to different cases and how severe were those cases? And, and, you know, were there any deaths associated and how much did it spread? What what I'm getting at is that it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's possible to quantify the health consequences of having these games. What's harder to quantify are the benefits. I mean, we can certainly quantify it in terms of the dollars that these schools, um, you know, and all the associated businesses that benefit when, when the games are held. Um, it's easy, it's, it's easier to quantify those benefits. Um, it's harder to quantify some of the sort of psychosocial benefits, you know, how, how good, how important it is for the psyche of a community, the positive energy in a community, those harder, those things are harder to measure. Um, they are real and there are sort of reasons to, to, um, to take on a risky activity like having a, a home football game in your community. But I think we're going to see a breakdown here. And then the question kind of for you guys that I think about is, you know, is the championship legitimate? Like whoever wins the championship, or can that champion be considered a legitimate champion or will it forever have an asterisk next to it? Well, I have a question for Riley because he's around student athletes, but I'll answer that question first. I think that at the FBS level, it is legitimate because, and and this is just because of the way that I uh, view the landscape of college football as a whole, I think that there's no scenario right now in the current FBS landscape where any teams under any circumstances could compete with Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. I think that they are spending so much money, they have such a high level of resources, prestige, national recruiting, their coaching staffs, their ability to bend but not break the rules at literally every turn. I don't think it matters who's playing, who's not. I think that we're about to see Alabama versus Ohio State, which in my mind is the two best teams. What do you think, Riley? I agree that it's legitimate in that regard, but the conversation is going to be different depending on who wins this game. Because if Alabama, they played a full season, right? If you have Ohio State coming up and they eventually win this, they would have eight wins is all. They bent rules left and right for them week in, week out, month in, month out to get Ohio State eligible to play and just to to meet all of the requirements. So to me, I do think it's legitimate. But if Ohio State does win, you're going to have even more conversations about well, how many times did they adjust the rules so Ohio State could even make it, let alone play and win it? So it's going to be touchy the entire time, but, boy, I, those top three teams are just in a different category. And, Justin, I want to follow up with you about uh, the impact of the psychological and intangible factors on not only a uh, athletic department but a campus community and a community at large. But before that, I want to ask Riley this. One thing that we've talked about, because Riley and I talk to coaches and players frequently, is that the biggest strain that we're seeing, particularly at the mid-major college athletics level, is the complete uh, inconsistency and the complete unknown. The cancellations are prevalent. Like right now, we just had on our sports center read, the Montana State teams for basketball, they have not played a Big Sky Conference game yet. And on one hand, the schedule catered to them having a bye, but then they got their first weekend canceled. So now they're going to play a Northern Colorado team that's played four conference games and nine total games, and they've only played four Division One games, and they haven't played a Division One team in 16 days, and they haven't uh, played a conference game yet. All of those things are huge disadvantages. 
But the coaches have talked about the downfalls of the mental health of the student athletes. So my question for you, Riley, you're around specifically Grizz basketball players this time of year more than anybody. How do you think that this the overall pandemic and the sporadic nature of the uh, scheduling or lack thereof has affected these guys mentally? Huge. I mean, it's pretty hard to put into words of how much it's affected these guys day in and day out. I think the the one word in all of that culture is schedule. Just to they they operate off a schedule. That's how that's how they're wired every day. They're, of habit. Yes, they are, they are sent the schedule for. Okay, we're getting COVID tested today. Whatever it might be, practice at ten, study hall at twelve. I mean, every day is diagrammed. I think that when you had all the uncertainty of not having games scheduled and still asking the question, are we going to play? Any of that, that affected mental health greatly, I believe. And you could see it from the players. And I just straight up asked players on road trips, everything in between, how are you at with everything? Where are you with trying to balance everything in between? What are the highlights of your day? What are the negatives? And they do say the highlights are basketball. And that was huge in that regard. And and we have so many different angles, pun intended there, that you could stem (laughs) off of this. But I I do think it's worth it from the mental health side of things to get these guys back in some sort of routine. I mean, I remember the first Chris practice I went to, Mac Anderson came over and talked to Tutel and I for like 15 minutes. He's like, dude, it's so good to see you guys. He's like, I haven't seen anybody forever. He's like, this is so good to interact with you. But Justin, coming back to it, by the way, it is a business angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School presented by Blackfoot Communications, analyzing the business angle of all things sports, specifically college sports, as we are here in a college town. And Justin, I want to ask you just about your broad analysis of this because we've talked about it a little bit already throughout the the breadth of this segment. But uh, a school like Ohio State, for example, even if they're having limited to no fans in the stands, they still are producing a fair amount to even a substantial amount of revenue by playing these games because of the TV rights. And it's the same thing with Alabama. I think the SEC payout this year is scheduled to be about 43 to $44 million. So that's something it's hard to walk away from. Uh, so you're not losing all of the money that you could be losing by playing sports. But you know, Riley and I, for example, were at the Grizz basketball game on Monday morning, and we were two of uh, – 12 civilians in the whole arena. Right. They're not making a dime out no. of us. We're, we got our media passes, so they're not making a dime, period. So even though it's a very limited operational procedure, because you're not circling fans in, you're not seeing people, you don't need ushers, you don't need ticket takers, any of that, you're still doing nothing but lose money. There's no revenue being produced. So, Bradley, just give us your analysis, Justin, both from the FBS ranks and just college sports in general, this the way that this is working out financially, because it seems like it's a giant money dump for the schools that don't have those big TV contracts. Yeah, again, it is sort of a situation where wealth broadly will get more concentrated at the top schools. Like you said, the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world, I mean, certainly they lose money when they don't put 100,000 people in a stadium, but they have other revenue streams that are more powerful. And the schools in the middle um, and the schools toward the bottom, when I say bottom, I sort of am referring to just general size and stature within college football. You know, they don't have that diversity in their portfolio. They are at risk. They also probably don't have a university that has a, uh, an athletic department war chest built up over years for a, a strong financial performance. So you were seeing universities from small to large cancel various athletic programs, whether it's um, you know, larger sports or, or less well-known sports. But 
for universities like Montana, it puts a tremendous strain on on the finances of, of the athletic department department, and that that can spill over in, into the academic function as well. Not in terms of direct uh, revenue, but just in terms of you know it's harder to sell the brand in an environment where you don't have sports as the doormat for the university. Um, it's harder to get donors excited about things happening when you don't have the positive aspects of, of the games happening in, in, in those sorts of things, whether it's uh, in person or virtual. So yeah, these are putting strains um, on universities in a wide variety of ways. That's my next question, then, is, is the branding aspect of this. And that's one thing I think that has not been really addressed on on any level of the media commentary when it comes to this. People understand, uh, the, maybe not the necessity, but, but the rationale to trying to claim at least some sort of revenue for what has been a, at least an interrupted season, but but not necessarily a lost season. But from a branding perspective, it seems as if uh, maybe the, the and we we talked about this uh, uh, about a month ago, just the the fervent nature of college fandom, the the tribalism that's associated with it, and I wonder if. Part of this was appeasing a fan base, appeasing donors. It seems to me that there's a lot of people, particularly in SEC country and particularly when it comes to OHIO State University, that they'd rather watch their team play under any circumstances than not, no matter what the consequences. So you wonder how much of this is uh, then brand, maybe not fortification, but a continuance of. What sort of impact do you think this could have, though, on branding around college football? Do you think that actually, ironically, there's a benefit to playing for some of these uh, larger schools? And on the flip side of that, will it impact branding at schools in our neck of the woods? Well, I think there is. There's there's certainly... Well, I mean, the branding question cuts a bunch of different ways. There's there's a benefit just simply in terms of exposure. The more you sort of keep your brand out there in the, the popular psyche of, of the customer base, the fans, the better it is for you generally. That's why you see, you know, big brands, the Coca-Colas, the Ford Motor Companies, these companies just like are always doing Super Bowl ads because they just always kind of want to be top of mind, right? And they're not necessarily advertising a particular product or a particular promotion. They're just sort of doing general brand awareness, brand building um, uh, messaging. And, you know, playing the games will do that. Problem is that playing the games is a risk. And, you know, you have a big COVID outbreak, you have a big outbreak at your university, uh, that could have negative effects on the brand. I mean, I think probably if I were to speculate, those effects would probably be minimum. Um, just knowing the nature of college fandom, like you kind of laid it out there. Um, so you can see why that's a risk maybe from the branding standpoint that university presidents were, were willing to take. Um, you know, I think down at when we're talking about smaller mid-major programs uh, or like a program like the university of Montana, um, you know, we're, we're in, an, in, in an enrollment challenged environment. We need more students. And so if we're not getting our football game, our football team out there playing the games, we're, we're not getting um, the excitement around our events. Um, you know, that's one of the key sources of, of kind of brand awareness in the marketplace that we don't have. And we need all the sort of, um, channels we can get at the moment so yeah this has this certainly has risk for a, a place that's um you know could use a few more students so on that note then spring football is supposed to start 
practicing when school gets back into session here yeah. in less than two weeks. And the first games on the schedule are February 27th, less than two months away. So we don't need to get into the debate of that quite yet. But broadly, is this a chance for uh, a brand promotion or a brand increase if somehow the Grizz can pull off a spring football season? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's a positive story, right? So we get, you know, people excited about football happening. They miss it. There's like pent up demand for these sorts of events. You know, maybe as we approach better weather and the vaccine gets more broadly distributed, there's going to be sort of a feeling of more safety around these sorts of things. Uh, we'll see sort of how the, how the policy about you know, allowing fans in the stadium uh, evolves, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, this could be a tremendous boon for, for the community and it's an opportunity, um, you know, for some, for some, not necessarily free marketing, but some marketing where we can sort of, we know there's going to be some attention paid to the University of Montana and we could be thoughtful about the, the message that we're, we're putting out there. So yeah, I, 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 I'm bullish about the branding opportunities associated with the football season happening. And I'm feeling like it, it hopefully will correspond with a kind of declining crisis. I, I don't want to sort of be dismissive of it. We got a lot of hard days ahead with coronavirus and we're not nearly out of the woods, but like I said, as weather gets better, as more vaccine is out there in our population, I think it's a favorable setup. And it really stems now, Justin, to that great debate because we are talking about spring football here at Montana where the TV contracts we know are not going to be lucrative enough to kind of outweigh what the cost will be. And I'm putting that in there in the sense that expecting 5,000 or less fans inside of Washington Grizzly Stadium where you know sure. you aren't going to make mm-hmm. that generous revenue stream that you've been able to rely upon. But at the same time, as Justin was just saying, you are going to have an enormous amount of marketing and brand potential here because of the exposure you're going to have to the University of Montana. These playoffs that could happen, I mean, the national spotlight, I think, is another um, interesting prospect to it, too. So, Coulter, Justin, either one of you two, we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now where it's, okay, the exposure and the brand, brand marketing, everything is going to be magnified there, but then the costs are going to be so great to pull this off. Is it worth it? I think that's really what all this is going to stem down to. Now, Justin, you go ahead and go first on that. Yeah, the is it worth it question is, is, is a difficult one. I mean, it's going to be costlier, right, in terms of all the testing infrastructure and all the protocols, just the additional stuff you got to do to put together a football game and to sort of run a program. And so, yeah, you have additional costs and you use those costs to generate less revenue, um, particularly, as you said, you know, stadium will be like a quarter full. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably, you could probably make a strictly economic ar- argument that you should cancel the season. Um, but I think viewing it in terms of the, the value to the community, the value to the brand, um, it's, it's not quite so simple. And I'd like to think that on balance, um, as far as, you know, the, the value to the brand, probably playing the games does more good than bad in the long run, particularly playing them in the spring. But um, that's a hard question to solve, Riley. I agree with your premise there. There's so many factors that go into this beyond um, the the medical aspect, the safety aspect, the moral aspect, all of those things, mm-hmm. because I think that there's just some more tangible issues like uh, upcoming 
immediate health department regulations, for example, is there going to be an ability to have 125 to 130 people in a given area to conduct the football practices that are necessary to get ready for the spring football season? Is it realistic to think in Montana with the weather as it is, as vicious and sporadic as it can be during these months, the NCAA rule is you have to have 29 practices in between the beginning of the uh, – when you report, which is usually in August, to the beginning of the season. Now, does the NCAA adjust that? I expect them to because I think it's completely unrealistic to think that Montana is going to get 29 practices between January 18th and February 27th. That that would mean that the Grizz would have to practice 29 out of 39 days. That's, that's weather-permitting. I mean, that's weather-permitting. That's uh, facilities-permitting. That's um, – health department letting you do it. So there's a lot of different factors that maybe have nothing to do with any of this revenue stuff. And then you compounds with what is the cost benefit analysis of this uh, in terms of what it's going to cost you and what you're going to make. I think if Montana can get anybody in the stadium, that's going to be a huge deal to push it forward because I never thought about this element, but that was a great point you just made, Justin, about the, the stimulation of the local economy. If there's people that Mm -hmm. can come to town to go to the games, that's an influx of money that I think that I think, and that's one thing I respect about Bobby Houck so much. He's a Montanan and he understands how big of a, a revenue generator his football program is. That was his number one statement when the fall season got canceled. He said, This means a lot to a lot of people, but this is actually financially essential for a lot of people around the state of Montana, particularly in Missoula. And so he understands that part of it. So I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great point. I'm just thinking about, I think if they can maybe get people in the stadium, it makes me reconsider. I just think that the the preparation of it and getting all of it ready to go by February 27th just seems like a gigantic task. Yeah, and I'll just add one other thing in this that we haven't mentioned is that, you know, there's sort of some, some uncertainty. We don't have a lot of data on this virus, right? And, you know, there's incidents. One thing we know that happens after a virus is, is there's incidents of myocarditis, right? A, a heart situation. And so people are concerned about, you know, if players have COVID and we push them to get back in onto the field. And we talked about that with Ohio State earlier. There's some maybe long-term health risks or immediate risks that they're exposed to post-COVID. Um, and that's a part of this as well. The risks to the players want to just sort of, we mentioned the mental health aspect of not being able to play, but there's some real health risks associated with coming back to play too quickly if you happen to get the virus. That's a great point. Riley, I mean, anything to add to all of this? Because I, I do think that we, we've circled it to, to say that we're not necessarily optimistic, but we understand the necessity. I just think this could go every single different way. There's no way to really predict any of this. I agree with that. And I think the three of us really have taken it to the next level, though, of analysis of, okay, yes, cost compared to what it could do for a community and the marketing aspect of the brand of the University of Montana. All of those things need to be weighed at the same time. And time is honestly the word here that's the X factor in all of it. Because I think if, and there's circulation out there, there's conversations of, hey, maybe we try pushing this thing to mid to late March. That is absolutely happening right now within Big Sky circles. And would that make a difference, Justin? Everything in between. So I, you know, that to me is maybe the the final X factor that will, that I'll leave it on is just, boy, I mean, if we push it later, does that make a bigger difference? Well, so we'll get you out of here on this then, Justin. 
we talk on this show frequently about the difference between private fundraised money and state subsidized money. The University of Montana, I thought that, uh, you know, first plug for us, Grizz Grace, the, the 25th anniversary of the, or the silver anniversary of the 1995 national champs, breaking down that 25th anniversary of the 95 team. But one thing that we talked about with both former athletic director Wayne Hogan and former athletic director Jim O'Day was the way that the success at Montana, especially with football, was not necessarily all roses. It was a great thing because it helped generate so much more revenue. It helped generate such a great brand. It helped increase enrollment. But it also made it so that the state thought Grizz football was so dominant and so sustainable that they continued to cut funding from the state level every single year. And now University of Montana is in the top 50 football programs in terms of the least amount of percentage of their athletic department budget that's supplemented. It's less than 40%. I think it came in about 36 37% last year. And that's on par with schools like West Virginia. Not We're not talking schools like Eastern Washington and UC Davis who are getting 80 to 85% of it supplemented. So then... I know we don't have the crystal ball. We don't have the answer to that. But it seems to me that playing spring football will be a potentially seven-figure and maybe even multi-million dollar investment when it's all said and done, when it comes to testing, travel, logistics, the marketing of the games, whatever. It's not going to be the huge um, expense when it comes to putting 26,500 people in that stadium, but there are going to be expenses involved with it. But regardless of where the money is going to come from, private or state subsidy, in your mind, is there a cost that's too much? Because what I'm thinking of right now, Justin, is basically the spring football season could be a gigantic commercial for the University of Montana. What cost Mm -hmm. is too much of a cost for said commercial? Well, I mean, I think you break it down two ways. If if, If it's too costly in the sense that it forces us to to sort of um, cut other sports entirely. That's an important conversation Certainly. to have. Um, and then, and then the human cost, like if, if, if proceeding with the games just sort of puts the community at risk and the players at risk and all the other associated employees at risk, that's an important part of it. I mean, I don't have the answers to those two questions. I would certainly hesitate if, you know, pushing forward with the, the football season was explicitly going to mean that you'd have to cancel other sports completely, I'd be hesitant at that. Um, but, but that sort of would be my first reaction of how to think about the problem. He's Justin Angle. It's the business angle. Every other Tuesday, this is the first Tuesday of 2021, so we'll be back in two weeks. Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School breaking down all the elements of the business side of sports, particularly when it comes to Division One college athletics, presented by Blackfoot Communications in Missoula. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. It's always fascinating, and we'll catch up with you here in a couple weeks. Sounds good, fellas. Be well. Thanks, Justin. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.